0: Ranked by U.S. News & World Report among the top 10 rehabilitation hospitals in the nation, Shepherd Center specializes in medical treatment, research, and rehabilitation for people with spinal cord injury and brain injury. As a service to our
1: community, we present Shepherd Center Radio with host Melanie Cole. About 700,000 strokes occur in the United States each year. Stroke can affect a person physically and emotionally and can affect the way a person thinks, cognition, and acts, behavior. Living with and returning home following a stroke can be daunting, requiring preparation for a patient's ongoing safety, accessibility, and independence. My guest today is clinical nurse specialist at Shepherd Center, Tiffany LaCroix. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. So tell us about stroke. And what happens just after a stroke? What's involved in rehab?
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Melanie. Um, Well, stroke, you know, it can affect people in many different ways. One thing that we really focus on is the individualized care and the individualized need that a stroke, and not only the stroke patient, but the patient's family and the people that will be involved with their care. Um, Here, you know, at Shepherd Center, we use a team approach um, when we're taking care of any patient and family um, that has experienced a stroke. And so, um, depending on whether or not there's cognitive impairment, physical impairment, um, medical needs um, that have to be addressed, as well as the emotional needs of patients that have experienced a stroke. So, um, our services are very individualized, looking at what's needed from a medical standpoint, uh... from an educational standpoint um, supporting them and um, knowing where their needs might be uh, down the road even once they have discharged from an inpatient setting. Um, so we really focus on care throughout a continuum, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech and language, cognitive therapy. There could be you know, intensive swallowing therapy needs, nutritional counseling, respiratory therapy. Um, so it really depends on what that individual um, needs is where our focus is. Um, uh, you know, we organize activities like I said. Um, you know, beyond just an inpatient setting, we really try to facilitate smooth transitions uh, back home into the community, into uh, maybe an outpatient program, uh, whether the person is going back to work, school, or just in their home, um, and helping them to identify what is needed for them.
1: Tiffany, is stroke similar to brain injury where cognition? and certain acts can then become almost involuntary and need to really be retrained?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, stroke is actually considered a brain injury itself. It's very similar. Patients have very similar needs to that of, you know, uh, an acquired brain injury itself, Um, and that's what makes it very individualized. It really what the needs might be depends on the location of a stroke, where uh, the stroke actually occurred, um, the type of stroke somebody had, whether it's ischemic or hemorrhagic, um, and you know whether it was mild, moderate, or severe stroke. Uh, cognition can be impaired. Um, again, when we're looking at you know where the stroke actually occurs in the brain, uh, which lobe it occurs in, uh, helps us to kind of plan and, uh, you know, determine what needs might a person have. For example, if somebody has a stroke in, you know, uh, the brainstem, that that patient is going to look and appear and have deficits that are very different from somebody who had a stroke in the frontal lobe. A mild stroke is going to be very different and might not require the intensity of therapy that um, a person with a severe stroke has. So it's all over the map, um, and no two are actually exactly the same, just like brain injury, very similar.
1: So when you're educating stroke patients and their family, if you're talking about safety after stroke, when they're going to move home, what are some of the things they should be thinking about?
0: One of the biggest risks that we really focus on is the um, fall risk, particularly in strokes and particularly uh, with a right um, stroke. So you have a stroke that occur in either the right or the left side of the brain. The fall risk in stroke is high in the inpatient setting and throughout the continuum. So not only are we focusing on decreasing the risk of fall inpatient, but once a patient goes home, um, they're still at an increased risk for several reasons. We know that stroke can have physical abilities or um, could cause weakness or even paralysis um, as well as cognitive um, impairments. So what happens oftentimes when a person is transitioning from the hospital or inpatient and then home, um, you know, they're, they have, they're doing a much better probably cognitively and physically but sometimes they overestimate a person that has had a stroke their ability or they might come become more fatigued um, throughout the day so you know more in the evening we found that there's a higher risk because the person becomes more fatigued as the days go on however they might not recognize or realize based on you know some cognitive Impairment that they're not as strong, and so they might uh, try to transfer themselves or uh, not recognize and stumble across something on the floor. Um, in the hospital, the you know the the hospital setting is built to try to prevent falls with widened doorways and really not having um, items around that could be stumbled upon. However, when somebody gets in the home, we're then dealing with lower um, dim lighting, uh, high-piled carpeting, and so there's hazards that patients and caregivers might not recognize that could actually increase their um, fall risk. And we know that falls is, though, one of the highest reasons that people actually return to the hospital, so it could be a cause of alarm for rehospitalization in this group.
1: What about post-stroke conditions, some of the fear and apprehension, even the worry from caregivers and patients about going home and that independence in everyday living situations? What do you tell them about that?
0: You know, again, every um, patient as well as family and caregiver needs are different. So some people uh, or patients might be uh, returning home and going back to work. Some might be returning home and going back to school. And then there's those that might not um, be returning back to work or school, but are returning home, and. Some of these patients require extended, um, you know, or increased supervision um, just because of the safety risk involved, or maybe, you know, with the cognitive impairment require um, more supervision with assistance, maybe with getting dressed, maybe with just those regular activities of daily living, or it could be that they're pretty much able to take care of themselves, however, you know, might just need someone around to do or assist with certain tasks with supervising them so there's a lot of change um, that might be taking place to facilitate um, their transitions back home. Um, and keep in mind that these patients, once they have actually left rehab, they still continue to improve over a period of time. And we know that, you know, they'll, as they get better and stronger, um, they'll probably require, you know, changes in their supervision level. But it, it does leave the patient and caregiver Um, and family in a situation where they might have to plan differently to accommodate the needs that are going to take place. And again, they're very individualized needs, whether they're physical, um, emotional, you know, lots of times we really have to watch during the transition is where we see a lot of the emotional, you know, they're medically stable and they've gone through rehab and they really count highly on rehab as having a lot of changes. And so when they go home, they think, oh i'm doing much better or you know or maybe this is as well as i'm going to be doing without really recognizing no i'm going to continue to change i'm going to continue to improve as they might get individual Um, therapy still, even in the outpatient setting, maybe they go to one or two sessions, you know, whatever the team decides is really needed and necessary, whether it's speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. So, I think that the anxiety um, comes a lot with transition and just not knowing what to expect because we know, very similar to a brain injury, uh, patients recover um, at different rates, um, very individualized. We do have Um, a good majority of our patients are actually, you know, discharged to their home. That's really, you know, the goal, of course, um, which which is pretty high.
1: And what's the, are they worried about recurrence? What is the risk of having that second stroke? And what would you like to tell the families and patients about lifestyle modifications after that stroke?
0: Absolutely. Well, one of the big focuses um, in in our education is always about stroke prevention. So people who have had a stroke are at a 43% higher rate of a second stroke. And we have had patients um, who have actually been here for rehab when it's their second or third or fourth stroke. And so, you know, um, we really focus on con- continuing with the regimen that's recommended for you at discharge. So, for example, if there are certain medications, the importance of really focusing and ensuring that those medications are taken routinely will help prevent a second stroke, as well as the lifestyle. Um, you know, really looking at physical activity, um, again, depending on the physical um, Impairments the individual might have—it's uh, not the same regimen for every single person. We have some part, some patients that might not have the physical goals that a second patient might have, for example. Um, Looking at, you know, the maintaining um, a blood pressure that was within a good range that the team has determined for them. It's not the same for everybody. Looking at, you know, nutritional intake and, you know, are we recommending a low-sodium diet or are we really looking at cholesterol? Does the person have a history of heart disease or diabetes? Um, so good, healthy diet, um, for that individual is recommended taking their medications and number one is really recognizing what the signs of a restroke are so we use an acronym called FAST and it's F A S T and um, we like for anybody who's coming into or being a part of a patient's care so caregivers families friends that are going to be involved to be familiar with us, and this is nationally known, this is not something that's specific to Shepherd Center, but FAST is really a quick way for anybody who's listening to recognize, whether you're in a grocery store and see somebody with these signs, or you're at, you know, an event with your kids at soccer and, you know, what how would you know somebody's having a stroke? And the F is for face. And so if you um, are having, uh, you know, a situation where you're thinking there's a possibility a person's having a stroke, one of the first signs in looking at their face is their smile's not equal. Maybe one side of their mouth looks like it drops. Um, if If you ask them to lift their arms, the A is for arms. The person can maybe only raise one side or one side significantly weaker than the other. The S is for speech or swallow, where the person might have sudden slurred speech or the inability to talk or maybe difficulty swallowing. And then the T is for time, because time lost is brain lost, meaning that once we see these symptoms, We assume that the person's having a stroke, we need to get them to the ER immediately or call 911 immediately as, you know, there are medications that might be available for certain strokes that can prevent true disability with, um, well, prevention of a further stroke or or more severe stroke, in fact. So, you know, FAST is something that we all should be able to recognize. You know, stroke is so common in in our world that we live in today. So um, just keeping you know people safer uh, is for education in the community to really recognize what a stroke might look like. And surprisingly enough, I think uh, people assume that it's an older population or that it's a population of men, when in fact, it's really not. Um, you know, a, a national average, age might be 67, but for patients we see here, it's about 48, and we see about 12% of our patients are below age 30. So we have lots of young people who have, do not have those traditional things that we consider like high cholesterol and high blood pressure that are causes of stroke um, that we typically wouldn't see in a younger group that we're seeing more frequently these days,
1: and why should they come to Shepherd Center for their care? What great information, Tiffany. So, wrap it up for us.
0: Um, because at Shepherd Center, you know, we take a team approach and we treat everybody like an individual. Staff members here understand um, that after a stroke, people go through so much more than just recovery, they're learning a new way of life. And so Stroke Rehab at Shepherd is designed to meet the medical, physical, cognitive and emotional needs of the patient while we're supporting and coordinating what the patient's family might also need. Um, We integrate uh, patient's rehab program um, and high-tech pieces of therapeutic equipment to maximize their recovery, their independence and support them upon their return of their productive
1: lifestyle. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to Shepherd Center Radio, and for more information, you can go to shepherd.org. That's shepherd.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.